you got your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 126 for me. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Nijab. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to walk around because I can. It feels so good. So good. It does feel like it. Does it not feel like a dream to anybody but me? I mean, I woke up at like 3.30 this morning and it was a nightmare hearing all the rain. And it turned into a dream to be able to see here and be with you. There are so few moments in life like this that are such a big deal. A moment you're going to remember. Most of those that happen in our life are negative things, the bad things of life that happen that we remember. This is a moment where we get to say as God's people at Cedar Springs, I was there. Many of you were here when John came and you remember that. Some of you were here when Don Hope came. I'm not going to go any further back than that. I don't want to make anybody embarrassed, but some of you were here a long time. And you remember those moments and those chapters. We have those places in our life. And I want you just to think about it. Think about those places of joy. Think about those great moments in your life. The ones that just are the highlight film of your life that you remember. How you felt. How you handled it. How you acted. What was that like? How you've processed it even to this day. How you recall those stories to your kids and grandkids and others. Because I think today's going to be a day like that. And it's not because I'm preaching, by the way. That this is a moment we're going to remember. And this same idea, this kind of, I feel like I'm in a dream world, is echoed by the psalmist in Psalm 126 here. Because what we find in this, and you have some scholars who will debate exactly what's going on in this psalm. But most will say, this is a psalm of deliverance where God's people are coming back out of exile. And that's an important moment. Let's remember for a second exile. Okay, back in Joshua, way back when we studied Joshua a while ago, God said to his people, when you go into the land, don't worship their gods. It's going to go bad for you. It's going to be terrible for you. They're going to lead you astray. And if you continue to follow after their gods, I'm going to send you to exile. I'm going to send you away. I'm going to let other countries come and take you away. A, punishment, yes. B, because I want to get back to your heart. I do this to get your attention that you will see me for who I am, that I love you enough to do even this. So, of course, they continue to sin over and over again. They're taken off into exile, first Israel, then Judah. And all along, they took with them the promises of the prophets that one day God will take a remnant of his people and he will bring them home. He'll bring them back that that's not going to be the end of the story for them in exile. So what we see with this psalm is this taking place. And I want us to look at two things short. The good thing is this was supposed to be an outdoor sermon, so those are really short, so good for you guys. What did God do? How did they respond? What did God do? The way it's translated here, restored the fortunes, can also be translated brought back the captives. 
That's why people think this was an exile psalm. And what it is, is God brought his people home. This is more than freedom. The idea of just freedom and exile is like, oh, okay, well, he freed them. That's one thing. No, no, he restored them. He didn't just let them be free from these people anymore. He brought them home. He gave them back their identity and he gave them back their place. He restored them fully. And this was a pretty amazing thing at the time. Because up until in the human history, up until now, this had never happened before. If you were a nation that was taken off into another nation in exile, you did not reconstitute. You were done. You were now part of the Babylonians, even if they were taken over by someone else. You'd lost your unique identity. God pulled out his people. He set them back into Jerusalem. He called them again Israelites. They went from being a mesh and part of Babylon to being their own nation again. This had never happened before. So of course, the the right response to that from the other people and from all God's people is to rejoice in it. This beautiful show of his power and his grace and his mercy to his people that he kept his promise and brought them home. So two, how did they respond? The nations responded first. And they say, the Lord has done great things for them. Do you see this worship that comes out? The Lord has done great things for them. Some of these would have been Israel's enemies. The last thing they want to do is give credit to Israel or to God. But they can't even help themselves. It wells up within them. The Lord has done great things for them. That is what a church is. It's what a church does. We are a church for other people. That we exist so other people can find out who God is. God used the difficult and hard things of this exile. He continued to give his promise to them over and over again. And as he brings them out, what happens? The nations glorify God. We have had the privilege and honor of this church for 224 years to have been used by God so other people can see him. Even in this interim, even as we've been looking for a pastor, how God has been so faithful and see us grow, to see people come to faith, to see us give money away and give our people away to mission fields here in Knoxville, around the world. So people look at Cedar Springs and don't say, what a bunch of great people. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. So not only do the nations acknowledge it, but we acknowledge it as well. You notice what they said. At first, it was like they were dreams. We were like men who dreamed. We couldn't even believe they've come back from exile. Here we are, back where we belong. This is unbelievable. Better than I imagined. Songs of joyful shouting, worship, praise, laughter, clapping, which what I assume most of you were doing underneath your mask. I think there were some smiles. I feel really confident at some point this morning while you were singing, you were smiling. I have no evidence, but I believe really deeply. Laughter, joy, an appropriate response to when God does something amazing. And then it does lead them to worship. Yes, just like the nation said, it said the Lord has done great things for us. But if we're not careful, we're going to miss the most important part of that. Let's do a little Hebrew more than anybody wants to. 
This word done great things is an infinitive, which means it's not labeled by time. We assume they're saying the Lord has done great things for us, comma, because he brought us up out of exile and he's brought us back to our people. What they're actually saying is the Lord always does great things for us. The Lord always does great things for us. Their focus was not on the destination. Their focus was on the journey. They remembered that in exile, God was there. In exile, God took care of them. In exile, he was with them every step. You look through Esther, you look through Daniel, you see these huge moments where God was faithful to his people. Even in the midst of exile, even in the difficult places. He always does great things for his people. And he always does great things for us. From a church that started with a handful of Native Americans and settlers a few miles away to a church of over 3,000 people, six buildings, 27 pastors, and yet God's faithful hand through it all, every step of the way. You and I stand on the shoulders of people who have followed Jesus courageously in Knoxville, Tennessee, their whole lives. And they have handed us the legacy of the gospel that comes through Cedar Springs Presbyterian Church. We should be filled with joy and laughter. We should be a people who praise because we always see that he does great things for us. But the last thing that they do is they ask for more seems selfish. It seems kind of wrong. I mean, that seems like a little bit stingy there, you know? They ask for more. Starting in verse 4, they say, we want to be, restore our fortunes. That same phrase, like the streams of the Negev. And what you have to understand, this was one of the most arid and dry places in the entire world. Almost no water ever. But occasionally, a big thunderstorm, kind of like we probably had last night, creates streams of water through the desert. You can't predict it. You can't make it happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. But it was this unbelievable blessing of God that would happen these big, huge moments that if you were there at the right time, you would see something you never thought you'd see in your whole life. This is what happened in exile. One day they were in exile. The next day they're no longer in exile. God's hand of favor and blessing, not because of anything those people did. They did not get better. They weren't good enough when they were in exile. They didn't have it all figured out. But God, by his unmerited grace and favor, loved them enough to say, I'm bringing you home. This big picture of his blessing. And often that's what we look for, long for, and want. We want the big pictures of God's blessing. But he also says we need to ask for the little pictures. He gives them this agricultural pictures that those who leave with tears will come back with joy. Those who leave with seeds, these seeds of tears will come back with sheaves of joy. In one way, God does this amazing thing. We think about our salvation. He saved us because of nothing we did in and of ourselves. All we bring was the sin that makes it necessary. And it's amazing. But then he also works in the day-to-day. The planting of the seed, the tilling the soil, the watering, the things that take a long time. The faithful walk of those who follow Jesus. God is just as faithful in our tears as he is in our joys. 
He has been just as faithful in the midst of COVID as he is right now when we're gathered together. He's been just as faithful without a senior pastor as he will ever be with one. He has shown himself faithful and he longs for us to ask for more. He longs for us to want more. He longs for us to pray, restore our fortunes, restore us, give us a hope, give us a peace, give us a mission, give us your gospel. Let us take it forth to the nations. But not only is this a picture of salvation, it's a picture of heaven. As good as today is, and it's good, it's really good. This is just one stop on the journey that you and I all have of life. It's just one moment in time to hold on to and to remember. But our hope is that God is going to bring us home. Just like he brought them back from exile, he brought them home. He is going to bring his people home. And I love this picture. It talks about how tears will turn to joy. What does Revelation remind us? He will wipe every tear away from our eyes. We have a hope that goes well beyond the ways of this world so that we can with confidence, with laughter, with joy, with excitement, we can worship him. And then we can be a people who ask for more. We want more of God. We want more of his word. We want more of his spirit. We want more of his mission. And we believe that God has brought us someone who's going to help us with all that. And we praise him and we thank him. Let's pray. Father, we are a people who want more. We want more of who you are. We want more of who you promised to be. We want more of your spirit, more of your strength, more of your character, more of your mission, more of your love, more of your grace, more of your peace. We just want more. You call us to ask for more, so let us. Help us to be the church you want us to be in this city. Help us to be salt and light where you've placed us. Help us as individuals, Father. Help us to see your grace in a new way. Help us to love our neighbors and our coworkers and to love our families and to love our friends at school, all those that you've put in our path, that we would be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ because of what you've done for us. Let us be like a people who just can't believe that we're waking up from a dream. Our mouths are full of laughter and our songs of joyful shouting to say that the Lord has done great things for us because you always do great things for us. And so we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.